Ladies and gents, over 100,000 fans came to the ballpark this weekend to see the Marlins defeat the New York Yankees in wild, wild scenes. Not only did you have a Sandy Alcantara complete game, you also had a five-run ninth inning, including a walk-off, sealing the series victory. Life does not get much better as a Marlins fan. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England. Welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you listen to the pod, of course, hit subscribe. This is your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. There is a YouTube channel, of course. Head on over there. Hit subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Locked On Marlins. You see what we did? Head on over there. Hit subscribe. We're almost at 1,000 subscribers, guys. We should be there by the end of this week. Hit subscribe. Guys. If you are watching, you will see that this is new. This is very new for Lockdown Marlins. As you know, on a Monday, Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT, is in the house. However, there is another UK GOAT. It's the Astros UK GOAT as well. George Martin is in the house. Um, so I have two guests, at least for the first part of this episode anyway. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Could be a bit of uh, trial and error. There could be some technical difficulties. Who knows? Who knows? But nevertheless, first off, Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT. How are we doing, brother? I'm not too bad. Um, your usage of me being a goat is sometimes stretched, but for those who don't mm. know, George is absolutely a UK goat when it comes to baseball. Um, so <laughs> two I'm, kinds. Two I'm, de- I'm definitely taking second billing today. I'm not sure about that. Wait till we start no. talking about that five-run uh, ninth inning, mate. You're going to come alive. I know it. I know it. everyone feels alive. George also in the house, fresh off a trip as well, over for the first ever time yes, uh, into into Houston. Uh, how you doing as well, mate? Oh man, I'm still. Firstly, thanks for having me on on your pod. Uh, always a pleasure. Um, yeah, I'm still absolutely on cloud nine after mm. the madness I had in Houston. It was just wild. <laughs> you ate really healthily, right, while you were there? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I definitely <laughs> indulged in some of the uh, H-Town cuisine, of which there's, there, there is much. I would, I would have needed to spend a whole month there to scratch the surface of it, so I need to, I definitely need to go back as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. It was a lot of fun, and obviously the, the Twitter feed was, or the X feed, whatever the bloody hell we call it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, was insane, no doubt, and it was a lot of fun following you. It's amazing just how well us UK fans are treated when we go over to to our respective ball ball clubs and fans and you know it's always you know it looks wild and you know you know different as well the guys really looked after you which is great to see it um, really is yeah we haven't got a ton of time for the first segment we're going to try and just really kind of ask ourselves the question of you know who are the 2023 Houston Astros at this point and that's where George is going to really help us because mm. yeah we haven't seen each other we haven't seen each other this year and but one of the beauties of this uh, new new schedule is we get to see every single club it takes until the mid part of august for us to finally meet with the astros so um george if you can yeah try and summarize where the 23 astros are at this point uh the roster was a little bit new look Mm -hmm. although 
There are some old faces now back in town post-deadline, which is interesting. But brief summary update on the Astros and where they're at in, their, uh, in this season. I think we're in a good position because the first half we struggled with injuries. Altuve was out for a couple of months. Could have been worse, but he was out for still out for a couple of months. Jordan was out for Jordan Alvarez was out for um, uh, an extended period. Michael Brantley's been out the whole season. Uh, we had numerous pitching injuries. Luis Garcia's out until God knows when, probably near the end of next season with the Tommy John surgery. Uh, Jose Akidi was out with a shoulder injury for, for a few months. So, you know, we, we were patching things together. And um, I think we did quite well to hang on to the coattails of uh, what's, what is, I have to admit, a very good Texas Rangers team. And, yeah, I think, I think we're, we're finally in a position where our bats look like they're coming alive particularly well whenever Altuve's back goes we go that's that is just fact and and he's he, you know just just today got AL player of the week for the last week and he's been well I wouldn't say tearing the cover off the ball because he's not been hitting tons of homers but he's he's you know he's doing what he does best he's picking up loads of hits and um and he's he's getting that that fire in our offense going again which is what we missed for large periods of the first half of the season we really were patchy with the bats um i would say one thing to watch out for he's not going to pitch in this series unfortunately but jp france uh rookie has been phenomenal for us this guy yeah. is he just looks like your average joe he's got the big tash going on and he's he's, he's you know he looks like a, a cult baseball character from the get-go but in terms of he's just he just He's just pitching quality starts time in, time out, every single time he's out there. He's, he, he, I think he's like pitched seven innings and something like seven out of his last nine starts. I may be slightly wrong on that, but something along those mm. lines. It's, it's, he's been so dependable and we needed it so badly with all those pitching injuries that we had. And like you touched upon, Justin Verlander is back with the Astros. And yeah, I mean, I was kind of umming and ahhing over whether it was the right, right thing. You know, do you ever go back to, to your, you know, your flame and, and, and does it ever work the second time out? But I think with where we are, it was needed. Hunter Brown's been great, but he He's had a bit of, I think he's he's been just the the number of innings that has been pitching and has and potentially some guys getting the book on him has has affected him a little bit. You know, Framber Valdez has had some issues which I still think he's going through. I know he had the no hitter, but he's not been quite his usual self the last yeah. month or so. And then again, Christian Javier has looked just dog tired, and um, they're both pitching this series, so it would be very interesting to see how they how they get on. In fact, all three of them are pitching because Verlander's pitching as well. Yeah, exactly. The, the, those matchups are. It's one of the things that caught my eye was like the little bit of the inconsistency with the guys. Like you know the names, you've seen the names. Like you know mm. Verlander, of course, clearly, but yeah. um, in Valdez and, and Javier, you know, obviously, yeah, Valdez with the with the no hitter recently. But mm. in and around that, it has been a bit patchy and spotty. Definitely. So it's not, you know, on any given day, any kind of version of him could turn out. We're going to see, yeah. you know, what version it is in in game one here. Um, who? You know, from a, an Astros perspective, looking into the Marlins, like this, this isn't yeah. the Marlins that you typically see, right? Where this team's like mm. in the wild card hunt. Um, does anyone scare you when you think about the Marlins team, this roster, even the pitching? I mean, you don't get Sandy. Oh, that's the thing. Um, yeah, so I would have said it. Yeah, but uh, I think other, otherwise, typically our kryptonite even when we're hitting well, has been pitches with like a five or six ERA. So I don't know what Braxton Garrett's is, but it probably tonight, <laughs> just, just maybe, maybe see how he gets on. Cause that honestly, that that's been something which I, I it's just unexplainable. We, we, we send, tend to struggle against your sort of mid-level pitchers who don't yeah. tear up, don't, don't set the world alight. And, and it's just, we can't hit them for at all. But you know, we, we, we had an interesting series against angels just now. We, Demolished them in the first two games, 11-3 in both games. And then yesterday, we, for some reason, just couldn't hit with runners in scoring position, lost 2-1. to one. And um, 
uh, I'm hoping that it's the games one and two of that series Astros that turn up tonight rather than that game three one. Because if it's game three, then it's absolutely game on. I don't, I, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say there's anyone individually that's particularly like, oh, you know, we should be fearful of of, of the Marlins. But, you know, we have to be respectful because every, every, like I said, we play every, you play every team, and it's baseball. We 162 games. It's all cliches. Any game, anything can happen. And if you, you know, if you yeah. if you lose, if you lose the first game of a three game series in a particularly tough way, it can affect the next two games, regardless of how good you are. So we, we you know, we in a position we are in, we've been almost on fire, but we've actually lost ground to the Rangers because of how hot they've been. So um, yeah. we got we got away with one last night with the, with them losing to the Giants, but. Realistically, we need to sweep the Marlins. We, we we can't go into this series looking for anything less than that because, but not no disrespect to the Marlins, just because of the position we're in. If we want to win this division, mm. we can't keep falling three, four games behind. We have to try and get this to like one game or half a game or whatever, and just try and be right up there with them. Because we we played the, the Rangers, uh, we got three more games against them in Arlington, and we did well against them there earlier in the season. So we we have to try and keep it uh, keep it really close. Yeah, there you go. I think you know both clubs. Looking to, you know, to take this series, you know, and the yeah. Astros looking to sweep the Marlins, you know, and I understand absolutely why because, you know, you've got the Rangers that are just no. we've seen them recently. They're they're a yeah. good team. They're so, like offensively, yeah. boy oh boy, dangerous, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. One thing that stood out to me as well, you know, you've got two lefty Marlins pitchers going in this series. You mentioned Braxton Garrett, but Jesus Lazardo is going to be going in Game Three. Mm-hmm. Um, when I then flick into the um, the splits for the Astros offense and look at yep. versus left-handed pitching. Boy, oh boy, it looks dangerous. <laughs> it looks extremely dangerous. There's yep. some names that you'd expect to see. There's mm. some names that you maybe wouldn't expect to see. But OPS-wise, boy, oh boy, this this Astros offense against left-handed pitching looks to be a yep. real, real problem. I think that's what it's going to boil down to. For me, can the Marlins lefties contain this at this Astros offense, I think, for this mm. series? What about you? I would agree with that. I think, I mean, if you look at the way that Kyle Tucker's playing, it's he, he's he's the type of guy who he's on the verge of a of an MVP caliber season. I think he's 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 still got a way to go, but he's he's looking at potentially having a thirty thirty season this year. Um, and the way he's been, like I said, the way he's been hitting recently, I I've got to go back to that. AB, I don't know if you saw it against the Orioles where we were losing, we were down whatever it was. Um, uh, 6-3 in the in the I think it was in the in the ninth and he hits his grand slam to put us up 7-6 just a, an unbelievable that bet against uh, Felix Bautista the closer for the um, Orioles who's had a great year yeah. and he just he just you know he just worked the count it was, it was fouling pitch after pitch off got away with one which was um, a drop strike three but to be fair it was a 102 mile per hour pitch so I don't think you know on a, on a foul tip you're going to do well to catch that anyways but but yeah then he, he got he got that he finally got that pitch and he punished it, and it was just a case of uh, an absolutely elite level at bat, and it summed up exactly who Kyle Tucker is right now. I think he's definitely one to watch out for. Yeah, definitely. Sean, do you remember what Grand Slams are, by the way? <laughs> it <laughs> yeah, feels it like a distant memory, right? It's Grand Slams. Memory from the Marlins, for sure. Yeah, no, the, the Astros are absolutely hitting the cover off the ball since the All-Star break. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be challenging to keep them off that scoreboard, for sure. It is. It is. I do. The, you know, the interesting part there is you're talking about the little prince. You know, the the offense sinks mm. with Altuve, right? And I, in yeah. reality, that's the Marlins in the first half with Luis Arias. Like, okay. if Arias is, was, I mean, Luis Arias has been humming all year, but you know, he then had that dip after the All Star break for him, mm-hmm. and the offense generally went cold. Arias starting to come around, even at a home run against the Yankees. That's how hot he's getting. So you know, it's funny that those two guys 
diminutive characters in some ways, you know, are the the catalyst for both of these offenses. That's and it. I think maybe it'll just come down to which of these two guys has the better series. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of danger as well. You know, what's just talked about Jordan Alvarez as well, because yeah. you mentioned Tucker, he was one of the guys I wanted to call out. But Alvarez, looking back to kind of last year's run, the postseason run, mm-hmm. like boy oh boy, Alvarez is just a real problem. How's how's his year at this point? And is he starting to heat up at this point? Well, it's interesting because he started the year on fire and his numbers in like clutch and late clutch scenarios, late scenarios were ridiculous. It was like, it was almost like video game stuff. He's, he then had the injury. He came back and he was, he was hitting well. He struggled a bit in the last week or so. Not with any basis medically, but people, I have seen some fans starting to question if he's, if he's fully healthy, just because he's, just because he's not been hitting the bombs that, that we've kind of come to expect from him. He did hit mm-hmm. um, a sort of line drive laser over over that short porch at Yankee Stadium, but it was. Um, I, I think he's all right. I don't, he's, he's not. He's definitely not at the top of his game right now. So I don't think he's the one. I'd be surprised if he's the one that makes the difference in in this series right now. He's just not quite. He's, he's like a a tick behind where he where he needs to be with his swing. He'll get there, but it's, I, I I think. Tucker is the one to watch out for rather than Jordan here. Jordan's amazing, but I, th- I think he'll 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 heat up again in the next month or so. Yeah, no doubt. I think you know when you're looking again at this this these some of these Astro stats and you know Kyle Tucker's OPS in like over a thousand against left-handed hitting uh, mm-hmm. left-handed pitch at this point, like he's going to be a real problem. The other standout as well, Chas McCormick. Yeah, <laughs> Chas McCormick's got an even even higher OPS than, than Kyle Tucker at this point, and also the actual OPS leader. Uh, it's John Singleton <laughs> against oh, yeah. lefties. So, you know, what a story. Yeah, what a, what story. a story. Exactly. So, full of stories here, mate. Um, I know you need a sweep. Uh, are you predicting a sweep? No. Just to finish up here. No. There you go. <laughs> That's true. No, I mean, just looking at the last two last two series, we played very, very well against the Orioles, um, dug out that incredible first win, played excellent in the second game, played really well in the third game, but just things didn't go away. And then the series against the Angels played excellently the first two games and didn't quite play so well in the third one. I think that's where we are at the moment. I I, I could see us winning this series 2-1 to one and it being more, more of the same. I would love a sweep, but I'm not expecting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean... A lot of Marlins Twitter I've seen talking about saying they'd be happy to get one game out of this series. I feel like that's kind of mentally where they're at, particularly with mm. the pitching matchups, like the back end of the rotation. Um, yeah, the, the Astros offense against lefties looks dangerous too. So, yeah, I think that's kind of where we're up to. Um, we're going to hit the ads uh, and uh, just transition more into some Marlins talk. Um, George, it's been great to have you on. For those Absolute that are uh, listening along as well, make sure you hit up George on, on Twitter or X or whatever you call it these days, at Astros Fans UK. Make sure you hit him up on there. Um, an absolute stud as well uh, on on Twitter and also uh, on the podcast game when he rolls that out as well now and again. So, uh, mm-hmm. George, we appreciate you finding the time. Uh, he's sounding positive about the uh, the Astros in advance of this series, which does not shock me, no doubt about it. Um, guys, let's talk about our good friends over at Game Time. And, uh, well, let's get the graphics going first. Those Game Time graphics fired up. Of course, the teal babies, which are there. Let's go. Um, if you are thinking about some late tickets, and listen, you needed some late night late tickets for this Ashton, uh, the Yankees series, sorry. Um, buying tickets to the event should not be stressful. It's a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater near you. And they have killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee so you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. You don't have to worry about planning months in advance. Game time is deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets. For everything, I've already mentioned it, but football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. 
And the game time guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. All right. That is the Astro segment done. George, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank mate. you. Um, see we will you soon. See, well, we'll be in touch over this uh, the next few days, of course. Absolutely. Mate. Good luck for the series. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. <laughs> we'll do. Appreciate it. Cheers. All right, buddy. All right. So you are now here with Sean Barrett, the UK GOAT, and myself, Peter Pratt, and we are going to transition into some different graphics. Boom. New graphics. Updated screen. Uh-oh. That was the wrong one. <laughs> Updated screen. Boom! <laughs> yes, sir. Um, Sean, for me, the Astros are sounding dangerous. How are you feeling about this series? Yeah, it's funny because you look at across the team, and obviously George is seeing the games every day, uh, but you just look at the, the starting rotation for them, Valdez, Javier, and Valanda. Like you're looking at that and going, oh, we're in trouble. Mm. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, Verlander has had those struggles, um, and which led to him being traded essentially away from the Mets but he's actually looked good in an Astros jersey again because <laughs> he's always looked good in an Astros he jersey has, yeah. uh, and then Valdez and Javier they both actually struggled of late um, which is interesting so I think George is right in the sense of like it's it's almost like any given Sunday situation and Agreed. and if the Astros aren't quite clicking on all cylinders and obviously the Marlins are coming off a huge um comeback victory so they're going to be as high as a kite right now so it's going to be interesting i mean offensively the astros are just disgusting in this second half yeah. um their, their record is huge they really are starting to sort of slowly piece it together we talk about the idea of getting hot at the right time and it certainly seems like yep. they are they're slowly sort of clawing back from the the rangers uh and they're solidly in the wild card hunt of course so yeah so right now they are a really difficult team to, to sort of contend with. Obviously, the Mines coming off that Yankee series, and obviously the Yankees always usually are, you know, a big team. They're, they're competitive. And we kind of caught them at the right time or the wrong yep. time for them. The yep. Astros, I think, are going to be a completely different test. Agreed. The Astros test will be very, very similar, in my opinion, to the Rangers test very recently. And it would not shock me if the Marlins look fully outclassed, which I don't think will be... You know, it's not going to send everyone spiraling, full tailspin, ground zero. Like, we know the Astros are a good team. We know the offense is good. And we're facing the top end of their rotation versus the bottom end of the Marlins rotation. Like, this is a tough matchup. But to your point, my main takeaway from that conversation with George, which is why it's great to speak to people that see the team day in, day out, is just that rotation. There's a seed of doubt in terms of the, you know, the consistency let's say, of those guys. And so that's going to be the bit for the Marlins is can they capitalize if any of those guys have an off day and basically blow one of them up? That's going to, I think, be the the path to, to success here. And, and like a few people were saying, I think I'd happily take one out of three at this point. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I don't think that would be a complete disaster. So let's transition, though, backwards, though, Sean, because boy, oh, boy, last night's game, I mean... Let's start. Let Let's start with Yuri Perez firstly, because I just want to talk about Yuri Perez, and you know, he's he's back up 
we're getting, I think, what we kind of expected out of him. But, you know, the, the home run ball is kind of there and has been always been there. Um, I think some of his first half numbers, if that's the right way of phrasing it, you know, he got, I remember Eli talking about it, Eli Sussman saying about how he's got a lot, there's a lot of fly ball outs. And at some point that may catch up with him. And he was, the, the only the only runs he was giving up were home runs. And the home run is kind of catching up to him a touch. But overall with Yuri Perez, he remains to me to be, you know, he's, he's uber, uber competitive. The stuff is there. He's a young stud. He's learning on the job as it rolls. I've got no concerns with Yuri Perez other than the innings. The interesting bit is how the how the Marlins manage him in these these innings. And I do wonder if they start to just get to a point of just curtailing the starts and just saying, "Listen, you're effectively you're getting three innings, and and that's it." As they start to kind of wind him down and maybe piggyback him with a Brian Hoeing, who's back up now at this point. So, just your you know, we've had two starts from Yuri Perez um, since he's been recalled. Overall take on him. I think it's always going to be difficult for him, isn't it? He was ro- absolutely rolling, and then this sort of intermission um, occurred. And, yeah, I mean, mm. ultimately, he's he's going to have his growing pains. He's, he's 20 years old. I saw a tweet earlier, and it was a picture of a normal 20-year-old pitcher playing in this little small minor league stadium, and it yeah. looked proper unprofessional, even though it is professional baseball. And then you've got a picture of Uri facing Stanton. So it is a case of... <laughs> It is a case of yeah. he's not exactly where he should be. As far as innings go, when he came up, I think I think it was 35 innings I thought he had left to get okay. that magic number that the Marlins had kind of, well, at least Mish had floated around. Mm. So to me, that was seven starts of five innings, and that's kind of where they are. Obviously, last night was a little bit different, a couple of struggles here and there. But on the whole, he looked okay. It wasn't like he was being unmatched. And yes, this isn't the Yankees of... of the, uh, the early 2000s, but this is still a, a quality team that are going to yeah. run into one every now and then. Uri's struggles so far this year have come from, as you said, the long ball, and that's kind of what hurt him last night. Um, yeah. But, you know, on the whole, he didn't pitch poorly. It wasn't like he was getting lit up. It was just, I think, at this point, you could see that we're not going to get 110% of Uri right now. Yeah. We're, we're going to get 80 90% of him. Um, yeah. And, and that's kind of a shame because I do honestly think that they should have just kept him in the rotation, got to his number, and we might be here now saying this is, yeah. where, they're, yeah. this is where they're shutting him down. And I'd have been fine with that. I would have happily won games in July and August with him rather mm. than go through this sort of stagnated sort of situation in, in August and September. But the decision's been made and we've got to roll with it. And, and early, you know, Hopefully he can step on and and continue to, continue to pitch, obviously, but pitch similar to what he was doing in that first half. But we'll have to wait and see, I guess. The interesting wrinkle, I think, kind of bubbling around in the background now is Edward Cabrera. Obviously, he was optioned. The news then kind of sprinkling out is actually, you know, okay, the walks were unsustainable and the performances were unsustainable in many ways, but equally the mentality was unsustainable too, which was interesting. And the Marlins have kind of almost disciplined him by sending him back down. Um, he's now absolutely lighting it up in AAA, um, which is great to see. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see the way the Marlins manage that situation. If everyone remains healthy, clearly. Um, the other thought I have around Edward Cabrera as well is like, and maybe this links more into Yuri Perez, I don't know. But there is a clear need for a power righty out of the pen 
that can, you know, other than Robertson, that isn't really, he isn't a power righty, but, you know, someone that can come in and leverage spot in the seventh or eighth, a righty, and get big outs. And I wonder if Edward Cabrera could fill that role. I wonder if Yuri Perez could fill that role if they decide to switch it. I don't know. It's kind of square peg round hole situations, but, you know, Brazaban's gone to the IL today. Brazaban has been used so much as that righty dude. And, you know, Hoeing's back up now. But I do wonder when they get to the point of just you know pulling it and saying, listen, Eddie, you're back up, but you're coming out of the pen. I do think that's a really realistic near-term situation here. What about you? I mean, Mike, I think hopefully he does come back up and, it, and whether that isn't in the starting role, whether that's in your right, once you get past Robertson, the right-handed relief options for the Marlins are slim. And you're right in the sense of Brazzaban got overused because of that situation. And, mm-hmm. and he pitched... Perfectly in the first half, but I think the arm's been—I don't want to say overused, but it's been well used, and and he started to <laughs> yeah. struggle. Yeah. So if anyone comes back and is that light up, just for this season, obviously the Marlins at this point are in a case of they're going to do anything they have to do to try and win. And yep. but my bigger hope is that this lesson has been learned by Eddie. That that, yeah. that embarrassment yeah. of you're going down because your attitude isn't right. Mm. And, Goes down, lights it up in AAA, shows what he can be, um, comes up with a bit more maturity. That would be ideal because the Marlins yep. have struggled in the past with maturity issues, and and hopefully Eddie is not one of those sacrifices that the Marlins have to make in the future. Yeah, definitely. I, I like that is the point as well. The Marlins are fully all in at this point, and you, you have to kind of think. Hold on a minute, Edward Cabrera is down a AAA at this point. There's a big need in the bullpen, like. Maybe this is the time to have the grown-up conversation with Edward Cabrera and say, listen, Eddie, I know you want to be a starter. We want you to be a starter, but we really have this need. Can you come and do it? Can we trust you, Eddie? It's going to be the question maybe they look to put to him. I don't know. I don't know. They have this kind of ticking clock with Yuri Perez anyway, so they kind of need to keep Eddie built up, which is, I think, the counterbalance to that argument. Um, Trevor Rogers, in my opinion, is done for the year, like, I don't think Trevor's making it back. So I felt that for some time. Um, so I don't think like they've got Trevor that could maybe come further down into like into September to help out. I just, I'm just not seeing it at this point. So, you know, they have to be careful with Eddie if they do want to flick the role and equally they've got these kind of character concerns. But anyway, let's get away from that. Let's talk about the ace, the true ace, Sandy Alcantara going on Saturday. And, this Sandy Alcantara start. I'm um, actually hold on a minute. Let me just ask you this question: Which of these games and which of these endings? I think I know the answer, but for some, this may be close. Which of the endings actually brought you more joy? Sandy rolling out there and being allowed to go in the ninth for a complete game, one run. It was almost a shutout. Could have been a shutout or the five-run comeback walk-off in the ninth. Which it sounds like it should be an obvious answer, but. It's kind of like pick your poison in some ways. Like, which one brought you more joy of those two endings? I think it's hard, isn't it? Because I mean, obviously, the 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 walk off is is huge and it's exciting. But having Sandy back, like yeah, twenty twenty two, Sandy is mm-hmm. back in a playoff run. This is this is fantastic, isn't it? Yep. Um, and to just have him back, and after all the struggles of the first half, it's so. It's so encouraging as we go forwards. Obviously, the the walk off is huge, and and having it be the guys that came in at the deadline, 
Like yep. being a huge part of that is massive. And, it, and again, that gives you so much encouragement and enthusiasm going into this playoff run. Right now, the Marlins fans are super high, or at least I know I am. Um, and <laughs> now we've got to run into a buzzsaw of Houston. But let's not get into that bit. Let's, let's enjoy no. this, this, this current high that the Marlins fans have. Yeah, the fact that we get to have to choose between two super high moments in the Yankee series is, is probably actually the bigger highlight. Yeah, and, and and I talked about it before the series, the fact that we knew it was going to be huge crowds, and it ha- it was huge crowds, and are the Marlins going to come up big or are they come, going to come up small? It's the question that I, was on my mind. And game one, they came up really small. I was thinking, oh boy, here we go. Um, but, you know, to do what Sandy did on Saturday was immense, truly immense. Sandy was almost pitch perfect. And I must say, the final... Double strikeout of Aaron Judge to 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 seal the game. It was one of the most painted sequences that I've ever seen. He had to throw an extra pitch because the ump was absolutely disgraceful. But the four strikes that he threw um, were absolutely incredible. And they were painted on the corners, all of them. It was just an immense... And this is in the ninth inning. Immense. The beautiful thing, too, as well, Skip was asked about it. It was like, you know, how are you feeling about Sandy? You know, was he, what was the decision? And how did you come around him going back out there? Because he was already like 100 pitches basically after eight. But Skip, he, he basically saw what he saw in the eighth. He was like, that's probably the best inning I've seen of Sandy Alcantara, at least today, if not for some time. There's no dip in anything. Sandy's going back out there. And uh, I believe there was a few expletives that were shared in that conversation, like, I'm ready, that had to be kind of bleeped out a touch. But nevertheless, it's great to see Skip understanding and learning how to manage Sandy now. I think earlier in the year, there was a little bit of a disconnect where it was just like, let him go. Now I feel like Skip's got his finger on the pulse a touch more with Sandy specifically. Sandy's obviously pitching better, which, which makes those decisions a little bit easier. But, you know, just great to see him given that leash um, that he had before, Skip's not afraid to give it to him, and Sandy can still deliver, right? Yeah, exactly, and especially with Robertson having been off for two days, so yeah. he, was, he was ready, available, and could have gone in. Yep. Um, but for Skip to trust Sandy is is mm-hmm. massive, and you're right; it is easier to just let him cook and know that he's fine right now. Like I, I could manage Sandy right now, just <laughs> put him on the mound and let him go. It's fine. Uh, but no, there we go. It's absolutely huge for the Marlins and, and for yeah, really fans right now to have Sandy have twenty two Sandy back because currently that's what he's pitching like. Absolutely huge, huge mate. Talk to me then about this this comebacker yesterday because I have to be honest. I mean, I was watching the game. My my father in law was around. Sarah's dad was around. They came around and we had a glass of wine and watching the game. And uh, it's the first game I think we've watched together, maybe this year. So I was starting to blame him for that. I said, listen, the voodoo magic. Um, I sent him off to bed in the seventh inning. I said, Jim, that's enough. The game's cooked. You can head up to bed now. And he did. (laughs) I had to tell him the story what happened in the morning. But, I mean, this was... I mean, where does this rank in terms of improbability of wins for the Marlins this year? It's just... I mean... They've had so many of these these wild ones. And because there's always a play, when this happens, they get these comebackers, there's always one play at least where there's a misplay, someone messes something up. And yesterday it was a Josh Bell, in my opinion, relatively regulation comebacker to the mound. 
Pitcher panics. It drops it, picks it back up. That's plenty of time. Poor throw. You know, and that was, again, the catalyst of the Marlins. It could have easily been a double play game over, but it wasn't. Bell does what he does. Then Arias steps in. Arias laces one down and gets a triple. I mean, couldn't have placed it any more perfectly, to be honest. And what I would say on that play, Josh Bell, unbelievable wheels for a big guy. He was chugging like I, I've never seen before for a man that size. It was amazing. And then I just knew it with Berger. I was watching the game. I was like, this game's over. Berger's walking this off. I've got no doubt in my mind. And he delivered. So, so much to unpack in that ninth inning, mate. So, so much to unpack. Incredible comeback. Incredible walk-off. I don't really know where it ranks this year in, in kind of walk-off or comeback wins, but it has to be right up there in front of a record capacity crowd for the Marlins. Yeah, absolutely. And, and first off, I have to put my hands up and say I probably went to bed at a very similar time as your old man. <laughs> I had a very heavy weekend of playing baseball and then celebrating for baseball. Um, you send the picture. Oh, boy. So once Bryce Bann had given up a couple of runs, that's it. I knew we were done. You were cooked? And I, was, I, I was cooked. I didn't know this. <laughs> this is so funny. So, so waking up and, and, and then catching up, yeah, unbelievable comeback. Bell for, Bell for me was the big part because – that he was a big dude moving real fast down that line yeah. to get to yeah, first base. Like the ball, he was dead to rights, wasn't he? As soon as as soon as the ball was in play, he was dead to rights. He would had absolutely every opportunity just to go and jog down the line, knowing that he was done. But True. no, absolute hustle down the line, made forced the error, made something happen, kept the team in it. This is this is the kind of thing that you want to see in a playoff push. Um, and then, yeah, Arias does what Arias does, doesn't this guy just can't stop hitting. Uh, and then right, you're right. Once once you get there, you know that Berger's going to deliver. And I think that's something that the Marlins yeah. have lacked for a long period of time, having this, this big power guy that can come in and just do something for you. Bell and Berger right now are, in, in Marlins jerseys, absolutely playing on fire. So for me, this this win is solely on Kim. This is really a, hard, mate. This That's is a it. Kim win for me. Absolutely, I've been on the the hype train for her the whole season, and and it's so good to see all amongst Twitter now sort of coming together and going, let's get it done. Like we we in in Ang we trust. You know, it is a case of no. she's shown what she can do with limited capacity as far as money, prospect capital. She's mm. built a team that genuinely can now push for the playoffs. Um, so that's that. That's that for me is my come away from the weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you, mate. I mean, what I what I there, there may be this out there. I don't, I don't know, but imagine if there was a war for GMs, a GM war, GM category, so we could measure the effectiveness of GMs, the moves they make, specifically trade moves. And maybe free agents, you know, maybe trade, I don't know. But imagine if that stat was available. Kim Ang would be top five, no doubt, because she is just a nasty trader. Nasty! People in the stock wanted to deal with the Marlins. We said about it, about Berger at the time. I was impressed with the level of control that they managed to receive back for one dude. Other teams were sending Jake Eders away for rentals. Not Kim Ang. She's acquiring a five and a half years worth of control of a potential all-star there um, for one dude. So kudos to Kim. She's 
you know, recreated this roster, just added the balance to it. We've seen the type of offense she wanted, but just the power. And for me, Jake Berger, boy, oh boy, I spoke about it a little bit on Twitter this weekend. He is not the player that I was sold. I I wasn't. I was sold a version of Jake Berger that was bang average defense, okay arm, strikes out a ton, you know, no balls in play, basically strike out or bomb. I've basically seen none of that. I've seen the complete opposite of that, actually, with Jake Berger. It's been so surprising in a really positive way. And boy, oh boy, the Marlins fans, we don't half have a new fan favorite now, I'd say. Now, everyone is gravitating Jake Berger at this point for many reasons. He looks like a really humble dude. Fun name, clearly. Can play. Like, he's got all the the makings here of, you know, Marlins Twitter favorites, I think. And uh, rightly so, I think, right? Absolutely, yeah. No, it, it obviously it's easy to say that because he's he's hitting the ball so well, and then it's it's resulting yeah. in these key moments. But that's how you become a fan favorite. And and just to go back to that that control. I mean, you look at what Kim did at the deadline. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just pure rentals. It wasn't just all in for one year. Yep. She's actually developed, and and that gives me hope. Like she's built something for the future, and that mm-hmm. gives me hope that she's done that on the understanding that she wants to be here for the future. She hasn't just gone, I need to win this year, otherwise I'm going to lose my job. She's actually done a job to sort of develop the team for the future. This gives me a lot of hope. Um, but, yeah, right now, Berger, yeah, he's, he's he does look like a decent guy, doesn't he, on and off the field. Yeah. Um, so that's what that's what the Marlins need. Too, too long we've had this situation when you've got guys like Segura where everyone's saying, yeah, well, he's a lovely bloke. That's great. But we're not in the lovely bloke business. We're in the playing baseball business. Ideally, you'd like both, obviously. Um, and yeah. that seems to be what Berger is, which is fantastic. Yeah, it really has. I've been so impressed with him and, and Bell, to be honest with you. And like you said, like for me, if, if there was a, a war stat for GMs, like there's one war there in that game specifically. Already one war for that one because that was a Kim Ang inning, a Kim Ang dub. Um I think the extension gets done. Do you think the Marlins even leave it to the off season? Do you think even, you know, Bruce just gets a deal done now just to take away the conversation or do you just kind of avoid that distraction at this point? I would like to see it happen as soon as possible. I think they do wait um, until the, obviously ideally the Marlins make the playoffs Hmm. and normally you don't get to see many transactions during the playoffs, but on off days in the playoffs, that's when you tend to see some sort of, personnel situations dealt with firings in particular. Yeah. Um, so it would be nice to see on an off day in the playoffs when the Marlins, if the Marlins are out of it, you extend her then because her first person, first piece of business is getting a skip extension. He's, he's a lame duck for next year as it stands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see no reason why you wouldn't see an extension for him as well. So get Kim extended during the playoffs so that she can work on that skip one, so that we're going into the going into spring training, knowing that you've got both of them locked up. Makes a ton of sense. A ton of sense, mate. This this series itself with the Yankees, just to finish up here before we get out of here, this series itself, like, huge crowds, mate. Big performance from the Fish. They find a way to get it done, particularly on the Sunday game. Those game threes, like the Marlins somehow find a way in game three to make the improbable probable. So wild scenes... Where does this one rank in this in this season for you, just in terms of like the series as a whole, getting this win 2-1, the way they did it at this time of the year? Where does it kind of fit into this general 2023 season, do you think? 
I think it's up there now. I think, I think the crowds are a huge part of that. We're seeing mm. numbers that you don't normally see unless it's opening day or home opening day yep. for Marlins. Yeah. Obviously, there was the big crowd for Miguel Cabrera, but that is a literally once-in-a-lifetime situation where you've got a returning future Hall of Fame player come in for the final time. This series, and you'll see a lot of people say, oh, but it was mostly Yankees, which, to be fair, probably was. But when that win happened yesterday, I'm seeing the crowd erupt and I'm seeing large parts of the crowd erupt. So you can't tell me they were all Yankees. No. There was a huge amount of Marlin presence there, especially on the Sunday for me, because you could see that from the the, the eruption of, of that final hit. I think this is huge. This is a continuation of that thing of if you build it, they will come. The Marlins mm. now have a, a winning ball club, a hopefully playoff-bound ball club, and the fans and the Miami market are starting to turn up they need to build on this. And everything that Kim did at the deadline kind of hints at the fact that they're going to try and build on this. Mm. Uh, so Laird is obviously something that needs to be discussed and sorted out, hopefully. Um, but maybe they look at Bell as that kind of power-hitting replacement for him. But ultimately, mm-hmm. oh, I do genuinely have a little bit of hope. And it's only a little bit because I'm so bitten by this organisation that they actually look to compete again next year. I think they're set up to anyway for next year. Like there's, there is, you know, Jorge Soler, we know he'll opt out, but it's do after that shenanigans, do they find a way to get it done, either qualifying offer or some sort of extension more generally? Who knows? Josh Bell equally can opt out. Whether he does, I don't know. 16 and a half mil, decent amount of money to turn down. Um, but he may play himself into that situation. I think some of it will come down to as well, like, do they want to be here at the end of the day? Like, they control their own destiny. And you see this with players. Like, Jake Berger rolls in from a terrible situation, it seems, in Chicago. And next thing is, he's in a clubhouse. The vibes are different. The culture's different. All of a sudden, it just brings the best out of you. And so, you know, maybe Soler feels that way. He's been around enough clubhouses. Maybe... Uh, Josh Bell will feel the same. Like, these guys, it's in their power to control where they go and what they do, and they may just like this environment. So we'll see on that one, mate. I think they do have a couple of decisions to make. Like, shortstop is a clear discussion area for the offseason. Um, do they have internal candidates? Maybe. Do they need to go and find external ones? I don't know. I think that's going to be a long conversation. The catching situation is equally, I think, up for debate. Um, but it wouldn't shock me not to kind of really get into off-season moves now in the middle of August, which feels a touch premature, but I don't know. The longer it's gone on, the more I sense that the Marlins are still relatively happy with Jacob Stallings and Nick Fortes in the catching spot. Like, it isn't all about the stick production. Like, that isn't the only determining factor for their performance. And I do think this is a pitching and defense club, and I think that's what comes first, particularly from the catching spot. So, yeah, we'll see. Interesting lineup today, mate, as well. Just to find it, you know, look ahead to this one final game specifically, then we will get out of here before, well, the game actually starts probably. Um, but interesting lineup. Lefty going. We've got the all righty um, lineup for the Marlins, apart from Luis Arias, uh, which means that, you know, Jazz is out of the lineup. Uh, Jesus Sanchez out of the lineup. Uh, you then get Brian Dela Cruz sliding into center field. Brian Dela Cruz has been not good in left field most of the year, now sliding into center and leading off against his former club. That's going to be an interesting storyline here. Avisel Garcia back in there. 
So some interesting lineup decisions, equally as well, Hoy Soler playing, but playing the outfield. And the view from Skip there is he won't be leading off when he's playing the outfield because he then has to run in all the way from right field into the dugout to then lead off. Felt like that run is too short. It was too short a time. So only when he's DHing, we'll see uh, Hoy Soler in the leadoff spot. But the interesting bit for me is around Avicel Garcia. He now is in a full-blown platoon situation. Lefty on the mound, Jesus Sanchez probably out of the lineup. Maybe Jazz, as we've seen today. That's when Abby's going to play. Other than that, Avicel Garcia is a pure bench bat at this point, right? Again, apart from platooning. Yeah, it was funny because I was looking at the lineup and I was looking at it and seeing how deep it is now with Bell and Berger, like, or deeper anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I got to Avi and I was like, oh, <laughs> maybe not. Um, but yeah, I think it is a case of if, if he's going to be in the lineup, if he's going to be on the roster, then then he has to do something. You can't just have him in there. Not no. Playing. So no. playing against lefties is obviously the most sensible thing with with Jesus, uh, with Sanchez's issues there. Yeah. Um, Interesting that the Marlins would trust Soler in the outfield, but wouldn't trust him to be able to run off the field quickly enough, <laughs> which is a strange situation to be in. Bertie being in the lineup in that false nine spot, I mm. like that. Um, but Dela Cruz leading off, that's interesting. I can't quite recall that having happened yet this season. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. I don't think this year. Maybe it's happened in like maybe last season. I don't know, but. I can't recall De La Cruz leading off before, but I haven't. No, it certainly surprised me. Um, yeah. I'd be interested in the thinking yeah. there. But, um, hopefully. There'd be something in there. There'd be, a, there'd be a rationale. I don't know what it is, but there is something you you would think um, for, for having De La Cruz. So all of a sudden, the Marlins, like you've had Luis Arias leading off pretty much the majority of the year, um, particularly since Jazz went down. Then all of a sudden, you've gone, you know, Luis Arias leading off, then into Jorge Soler, and then back to Jazz, now Brian De La Cruz. All of a sudden, they're really kind of mixing and matching at the top of that lineup there just to try and, you know, get something going, which is kind of interesting, really, I think. But um, we're long. We are very long in this episode. We're at 45 minutes, so I think it is probably the right time to call it a day. It's been a lot of fun, though. I appreciate George uh, from Astros UK joining the episode. It is great to actually get some some local knowledge, let's say. And actually, it gave me... It gave me some hope, I would say, more hope than maybe I had because he's right to call out the pitchers. There's a degree of an erratic nature in there and some inconsistency. So that's going to be the Marlins' opportunity. The offense we know for the Astros is on fire. Altuve just winning player of the week. That's a bad sign. So we're maybe catching the Astros' offense at exactly the wrong time. It wouldn't shock me, Sean, if we end up with a Rangers series where it's a little bit lopsided. We will see. We will hope not. But I think the Marlins have a decent shot of taking at least one of the three. Nevertheless, stunning, stunning series win over the Yankees. 100,000 fans in attendance to see the Marlins beat the Yankees at home in a meaningful series for both clubs in mid-August with a Sandy Alcantara complete game and a five-run Ninth inning walk-off. Boy, oh boy, it's been sweet. It has been sweet. And this has been Locked On Marlins. And we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Likely, just to tease it out there, Sean Barrett will be back tomorrow. So he is really putting in the airtime this week. And potentially another three-way episode. This is the first ever three-way we've ever done here on Locked On Marlins. And we may double down and have another three-way. Glenn Geffner is queued up to join us. There's been some interesting comments from Jeffrey Lauria. 
recently. So we're going to probably dig into those um, and some of the comments that he's made, as well as obviously looking back at game one, looking ahead at game two, but equally having a general step back and conversation with Geff, as we always like to do. Uh, and uh, we'll look forward to that one. So we'll look forward to seeing you on Tuesday, and we'll see you then.